waiting to pay for something, standing in a queue, waiting, waiting for a web page to load. That really irritates me. Waiting for the next holiday, waiting for annual leave, waiting for a big event, waiting for somebody to respond to a text message. It can be pretty annoying, and it can sometimes feel like wasted time. So this Christmas, uh, Rachel's parents bought me, um, or bought us, a Christmas present that one of us absolutely loved. One of us, not so much. I don't know if you can tell. There we go. A jigsaw. One of us absolutely loved. One of us, not so much. I don't know if you can tell which one I am. I'm not a big fan of jigsaws, I'm not going to lie. Rachel loves jigsaws. It's a tradition in her family to get jigsaws every year. Me, not so much. And this wasn't any type of jigsaw, because this was something called, if it works, a wasgidge. There we go, that's our jigsaw there, or wasgidge. So instead of it being a jigsaw like the normal jigsaw would be where you just make the jigsaw that's on the box. Oh no, this has to be even more difficult. You're not actually, um, you're not actually making the picture that's on the box. You're making the picture of, oh, what have I done there? Press the wrong button. There we go. Oh, there we go. I was going to buzz it, but it doesn't matter. You're making the picture of the lady in the top right there. So you're making the picture of what she can see. So you can't even see what you're trying to make. So if we spent Christmas, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, 27th, making a jigsaw of something we couldn't even see. Here we go. This is us getting there. This is us. Hey, it's complete. There we go. Yeah. So, during the creation... Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I did not do much of it. No, I didn't. I don't really it. We did do quite a bit together. But during the creation, there were times when we just couldn't understand how the pieces were to go together. We were looking at the creation and was thinking, I don't understand how any of these pieces are going to go together. There were times when I tried to convince Rach that pieces went together when they didn't actually go together. And there were also times when I went against Rachel's advice. She said, they definitely do not go together. And I thought, I'm going to force them together anyway because I want this jigsaw to be complete. But actually, I did find it quite enjoyable. But it wasn't until it was complete that we realized what the picture was. It wasn't until it was complete that we realized what the picture was. It was only then that we realized how all the little pieces and all the little bits we were creating all stuck together. There were times when it started to make sense, where we started to get maybe one of the characters together. and like, oh, that looks like a face, or that looks like the hand or the cookies or whatever. And there were times when we were really confused. We were convinced at one point we were building a massive parsnip, but it turned out that it was just the guy's shirt. Anyway. (laughs) But sometimes life can be a little bit like a jigsaw piece, a bit like we're trying to piece our lives together, trying to work out uh, all our different little bits. How does this fit in to the bigger picture? How does this fit in to the rest of the story? Whether it be a good thing or a bad thing, we're trying to work out where does that fit in? How, how has this got anything to do with what God is calling me to do? Maybe confused about a particular situation that we're in. Or we may be confused because God's called us out of a situation where previously we were like, well, I was really convinced that God wanted us in this situation. If only our life could be a little bit like a picture of a jigsaw box. 
where we could look at our life on a jigsaw box and go, I understand now. I understand where our life is going. I understand what's going on. And I understand what this jigsaw piece is because I can see the rest of it. But unfortunately, it's not quite like that. And in the Bible, there are loads of times where God had people wait before he gave them what he promised or to know what was coming up next. Uh, Abraham uh, had to wait uh, until he was 75 before God promised him a son. And then he had to wait another 25 years before he actually became a father. And as a young lad, Joseph uh, had, had a dream about being in a position of leadership, but it took many, many years and many painful twists and turns before it came to pass. David was 30 when he became king, uh, something he'd been anointed for when he was a young shepherd boy. He had to wait a long time, which is probably, or one of the reasons why he, uh, in his Psalms, he knows how to wait patiently on the Lord. And even Jesus, Jesus had to wait, you know, until he was 30 before he really began his public ministry. So imagine how difficult must that have been, knowing who you were, knowing what you were going to do. But for a long time, waited. I'm 29, I'm turning 30 in March. I don't know how that's happened. But like, imagine just still waiting and doing nothing until that moment. You had to just wait until God said go. Rewind with me a few thousand years, will we, to the prophet Isaiah receiving from the Lord in Isaiah 7:14. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It was a very long wait. It wasn't just like a few days like it took myself and Rachel to complete our jigsaw, but it was almost a thousand years after the, um, the original uh, prophecy was given. And I wonder whether some people started to think, uh, Isaiah, you may have got that wrong. You see, we see the bigger picture. We, we read Isaiah, um, Isaiah 7 through 21st century, 2017, 2018 eyes, knowing what's happened knowing that obviously they're talking about Jesus. Uh, and because we can view the account through 21st century eyes, we know it's Jesus and we know what he's talking about. But back then, they wouldn't have known that. They wouldn't have known um, when Jesus was to come and they would have just been waiting and waiting and waiting. Fast forward with me, will you, through uh, the narrative of Jesus. Uh, Jesus has been born. The shepherds have visited, as have the Magi. Um, and then we come to an interesting verse in Matthew 2, verse 13 onwards, which, which talks about Mary, Joseph, and Jesus' escape to Egypt, which tends to be a verse that we don't necessarily focus on in the nativity for uh, many different reasons, but we're going to have a little quick look at that today. So if you've got your Bibles, if you'd like to turn to uh, Matthew 2, verse 13, and we're just going to read a few verses. So Matthew 2, verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And then into 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. 
Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So in this situation, Egypt uh, tended to be, uh, tended to be, but not always, uh, a place uh, that symbolized oppression and symbolized slavery. For example, uh, the story of Moses. And God's people would know during the time of this being written that the Lord had freed them from that place. But here, God tells Joseph not to flee from Egypt, but actually to go to Egypt. Can you just imagine what Joseph was thinking and what Joseph was feeling. His first encounter with an angel announced that there was going to be a virgin birth. Then the baby was born in a stable, was visited by shepherds and by the magi. And now, this. Have you ever wondered what a traumatic start to life it was for Mary, Joseph and Jesus? Myself and Rachel have a few friends that have recently had children and they talk about the lack of sleep, frustrations, a mix of joy and jubilation. But imagine having a start like this. Moving house, moving home, going to a place you've never been to before, having angels visiting you in the night, having angels warning you in the night, having angels telling you to move again. It would have been quite traumatic. And God warned Joseph in a dream to flee, uh, in verse 13, to run for the lives, to go to a foreign land and just to wait. Again, Mary and Joseph didn't have the bigger picture that we have. We know what happened. We know uh, that they were safe in the end. But they had to wait until Herod died. And Herod would have died approximately 4 BC, according uh, according to many biblical scholars. And, uh, and also scholars reckon that actually Jesus was born in about 6 BC as opposed to, uh, the year zero. So it could have been, it could have been up to about two years, um, between, uh, Jesus' birth and Herod dying. So we're not exactly sure how long they had to wait in Egypt, but we know that it would have been an anxious wait as they waited to hear that Herod had died. And obviously today, if we were to get news or breaking news, our phone would buzz, Twitter would go crazy, Snapchat would go crazy, we would receive it straight away. We would know that uh, the king had died or a big situation had happened. But back then, news didn't travel so much. And actually, the way that Joseph found out about this situation was that God spoke to him in a dream, both in verse 13, as we mentioned before, and also in verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared again in a dream to Joseph when they were in Egypt. And I wonder if by this time Jesus was used to having dreams um, from God. But I also wonder whether he was still pretty nervous taking his wife and his young son back. Because just imagine, if he was wrong, if he hadn't heard from God, then potentially Jesus may have died. If Herod was still after him, Jesus may have died. And what's incredible about this story is how much Joseph had to trust in God, how much Mary Joseph and Jesus had to trust in God, trust that it was him that was speaking. Even when what they heard was quite crazy, they had to trust in God. And when God spoke, they responded, they acted. God's plans may have seemed crazy, they may have seemed a bit vulnerable, but what God said would happen actually happened. You know, even with Jesus, God didn't take an easy route. It could have been a lot easier, but they had to wait, they had to go through hardship um, to experience God's plan. And in a bit of a weird way, I kind of take comfort from that. If, if Jesus, Mary and Joseph went through really difficult situations, you know, we know that we can handle those situations through too. I just love Joseph's faith. You know, every dream that he had, 
he responded to. When, when God spoke to him, he didn't go, oh, no, that wasn't God. No, we'll just, we'll just wait a little bit longer because it's safer here. Actually, God spoke to him and he responded. And like I was saying before to children, sometimes Joseph can be overlooked, I think, in the, um, in the kind of story and the nativity. But he plays a major, major role here. Don't forget that Jesus was a vulnerable child. He was just a baby. He had to save the world and a mother that had only recently, within the few years, given birth. You know, they were protecting Jesus from King Herod. And let's be honest, back then, whatever a king wanted to happen, tended to happen. But how did he do this? How did he protect them? How did he respond? Well, it's in, the answers are in verse 13, verse 19, and verse 22. He listened to God. He responded to God. When God spoke to him in dreams, he actually responded. And he was actually willing to listen and wait on God. Just a question for us as we start 2018. Is there something that we're waiting for at the moment in our lives? Maybe something that you're longing for God to do, or longing for God to see, or to see God do? Are you waiting for him to speak? Or maybe waiting for him to change a particular situation? Maybe you're waiting for a promise to be fulfilled from a long time ago. And my prayer today is that as we journey into 2018, that we'll start to see the bigger picture in our lives. That we'll start to understand all these little jigsaw pieces, how they all start to join together. And maybe as we go into 2018, something we just need to do is just take a step back and look, in a way, look at the jigsaw, look where we're up to at the moment and reflect on God. And my prayer is that uh, while we're waiting, like Joseph, we're listening out to God. And it's really easy to say that, but in practice it can be a really difficult thing to do. You know, I'm a strong believer that God speaks to us through dreams. And one of the reasons for that is because dreams is one of the only places where we actually stay still long enough for God to speak. But I really do believe that God can speak through dreams, that God can speak through songs, through words, through scripture, of course, as well, uh, through other people. And my prayer is that God will um, continue to, as we listen out to God, that he will continue to speak to us. Maybe when I said before, what are you waiting for? Maybe there's people here that are waiting for a job application or waiting for an answer um, to a particular um, test or job, um, yeah, job role. Or maybe you're waiting to get better. Or maybe you're waiting uh, to get married or to, to find that right person. Or maybe you're waiting for somebody you know to, find, uh, to become interested in God. Or maybe it's, what, 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 what next? What's next? What's next in, 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 in my youth, in my ministry, sorry. What's next in what I'm involved in at church? You know, waiting it can be really frustrating, but waiting doesn't have to be passive. You know, in, while we're waiting, we can actively be seeking God out for the next move and spend time in prayer, listening to God, you know, Joseph didn't move from Egypt until God gave him the word to say it was, it was okay to go. And just as we finish, I've been encouraged recently um, from a verse in Romans 8. Um, and this is taken from the Message Bible. I just like the way that it's phrased. It's Romans 8 verse 22, which is uh, also what I used earlier on with the children. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. 
the difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the longer we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Just a real encouragement for us as we go into 2018. You know, while we're waiting, uh, we're not wasting away. God is using us during the waiting, and God wants to use us. And I just felt um, that somebody particularly might need to hear this this morning, that God uses us during the waiting. Sometimes we don't know how. Maybe we won't know how for a while. But we can be assured that God, that during the waiting, God is using us. You know, don't, don't wait almost until that moment. God wants to use you now. You know, maybe a phrase some people have thought, um, I won't be me until this happens, or I won't be complete until God does this in my life. I just really felt like it's uh, to, to encourage you that God wants to use you here and now. You know, waiting can sometimes feel lonely, and I just want to encourage people that, you know, God is with us through it all. You know, especially sometimes when we're waiting for something and we see other people are going through that thing that maybe we're waiting for, maybe that thing that we're longing for. And sometimes we want to revert to going, it's not fair, it's not fair, why are they doing it? That's what I've been waiting for, that's what I've been praying for. But I just want to encourage you, you know, that as we wait, Jesus understands As we get weary, as we get tired, he's not shocked. You know, he's with us through it. You know, he's with us and he's wanting to stand with us. You know, he will do all that he said that he will do. He's the God of the impossible, the God of redemption, the God who brings light into our darkness. So let's bring our longings and desires before God. And most of all, as we go into the new year, let's remember this, that Emmanuel, God is with us. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, whatever we're waiting for, even if that's exciting things, God is with us, Emmanuel. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are always with us. And thank you that during uh, difficult times and confusing moments in our lives, we can trust and hope in you. Increasing us, we pray, that we may have more patience in the waiting. Hope that we'll endure. And peace in every situation we face as we go into the new year. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us through your spirit. Maybe just before we go into a time of singing, maybe we just want to reflect on this last year. Maybe some of us have had the best year ever. Maybe some of us have had a really tough year. Just spend a moment just just thanking God for who he is above all.
Maybe just thank God that we are here today. Maybe bring before God some of the hopes and some of the dreams for the new year. Oh Lord, hear our prayer. Amen.